Hi. Welcome to Spooky Storytime at Earthmakers, Sacred Stories and Queer Spaces. My name is Johanna, and I will be telling you a spooky story today. So this is the part where I tell you a scary story. And I love scary stories, ghost stories, horror movies, spooky movies. I'm all about this time of year. And I get more excited about it with every passing year. I have been writing short stories for some time now and writing horror stories in particular. So turn down the lights, grab a hot drink and a blanket, snuggle up with your favorite people. This one's a bit of a whopper. This story is called Four Boys and a Video Camera and it takes place in the year 2054 This is part one of the story, and we'll continue the story on another episode. Four Boys and a Video Camera, 2054, or The Man Who Dressed All in White and Frightened the Good Townspeople. Part one. I think there's just one kind of folks. Folks. Harper Lee. When I was in junior high school, My little brother and our two best friends played with a video camera. We spent many hours writing our own half-assed screenplays and filming on location all over our small town. We were just being silly, but four boys being silly ended up unintentionally chronicling the youth of rural New York. Meanwhile, in rural Maine, A man dressed all in white wandered through the woods and scared the campers at a lakeside Christian campground. These two true stories create the backdrop for the following story on how a future wrapped in the horrors of climate change affected Garden, New York. One, Skinny noticed that his Buffalo Bill's fall jacket was stained with cow poop. He hadn't told mom because then he would have to shamefully admit that he and Arbuckle had been gleefully rolling around in manure in Farmer Heine's field. 
Skinny held the blue and red jacket to his nose and took a quick inhale. Skinny called downstairs to his older brother, Sai. Sai, come up here. No, shouted Sai from downstairs in the old farmhouse. Get your bare buns up here, Skinny retorted with the adolescent hee-haw of a sixth grader obsessed with boobs and poop. My buns aren't bare, I'm wearing pants, Sai yelled out, now standing at the top of the stairs. I'm gonna slap him, Skinny yelled through a giggle. Well, I'm gonna give you a titty twister, you chunk of crap. Skinny laughed hysterically as he replied, Well, I don't got no titties because I'm a boy. I'm going to tack you to the ceiling by your nipples then, Sai shouted loudly. Boys, a deep voice thundered beneath them from the kitchen. It was Dad. Yes, the boys asked in unison. Your mom wants you to stop talking about body parts and go outside and play, he said with a false sternness. Skinny and Sai met up in the recreation room as Skinny tossed his Buffalo Bills jacket at Sai and yelled, Cow poop! Sai ducked the flying jacket and raced downstairs. The smile of the happy, gentle, white Jesus was hanging on the dining room wall as both boys raced to the coat closet and grabbed their boots and sunscreen t-shirts. It was January in Garden. The whole family, all six of them, had just gotten over the stomach flu and the upper respiratory crud, as their grandma referred to it. The crud was referred to by the scientists in Atlanta as the virus. The virus had once created a pandemic so dangerous it wiped out nearly a third of the population in the United States. It was 69 degrees Fahrenheit in Garden, New York that day. Sai could hear the same old gossip on the TV as his mother sat in her recliner. The talking heads on CNN were describing the fallout of climate change and how, in the not-forgotten era of President Trump, scientists had issued stern warnings about how the lifestyles of Americans and corporations were going to screw up the future for our children. There was still some snow in places. Their father talked all the time about getting the kids out to Minnesota, Montana, Michigan, North Dakota, or even Maine to see snow for the very first time. Sai and Skinny were used to a warm, wet January. Lots of mud intermingling with manure and opportunities for climbing trees and making videos with their goober video master camera all year round. Skinny didn't care that his jacket had a shit stain on it. He wouldn't wear it until closer to March when temperatures would probably plummet to five below zero. The boys hopped on their bikes and raced up the dirt road past the McClellan's trailer. Ruthie McClellan had died from the virus just months before, and the whole family went to the funeral. 
Cy wore suspenders for the first time in his life under his father's old suit jacket. <clears throat> Skinny wore a black t-shirt and sweatpants. Cy hated the clothes that Skinny chose to wear. He often publicly mocked him, calling him homeless man and Peter Pan in front of classmates. Skinny raced ahead of Cy on his black and red bicycle. The uphill climb was getting steeper and Skinny put to use his natural and wild athleticism. Cy was a choir boy with a soft pink body. He always felt shy and awkward in gym class and just wanted to hide when the boys were getting changed in the locker room. He hated sweating in his sunscreen shirt and hated that his brother had a sturdy brown body. Doc and Arbuckle, their two best friends, were standing out by the chicken coop and bare feet when Cy and Skinny arrived on their bikes. The Cornwall family had a long, stony driveway with horses on the left and chickens on the right. Mr. Cornwall had prepped the horses and chickens by working with the local ag lab in Corning, New York. In 2047, the Cornwalls had lost most of their animals to malnourishment. They were able to sell off a horse and three chickens to some scientists in Corning before they got sick. Garden's farmers were struggling to adjust to new patterns of farming and animal care. Mrs. Cornwall was insistent that they start over again. This time, they would be prepared. Cy hopped off his teal-colored bicycle and ran up the grassy hill to the small metallic chicken coop. The front door slid open with a sterile hiss as Doc and Arbuckle ushered them in. Doc, whose name was actually Carlton, and Cy looked somewhat alike, both tall with blonde hair and fair skin. They had taken baths together at the age of two. Mom and Mrs. Cornwall had plenty of awkward photographs to prove it. Arbuckle was short and round with an Amish-style bowl cut of brown hair. He and Skinny were inseparable. They were standing in the cool room of the coop now. The room was cooled with a natural aloe and water-based ice mist emitted by solar-powered tubing. Some chickens quietly wandered around the cold metal flooring picking up dehydrated worms and pill bugs. Some arched their backs and necks and stretched in that awkward way only chickens can. Beyond the squeaky clean glass stretch of windows in the observation corner, Cy watched as Mutt, the giant black barn cat, stepped up to the coop and anxiously watched the chickens move about with the eyes of a drug-addled predator. That cat's got problems, Cy said with some low-key disgust in his voice. Yeah, no kidding, Doc responded through thin, sincere lips. He's been acting so loony, Arbuckle and I decided to follow him with my dad's old digital camera. Have you seen these things? Cy scratched his head. It's a camera? A digital camera? How does that work? Arbuckle, his bowl cut bouncing as he walked toward the boys, held out a black piece of equipment about the size of a large burrito. Skinny apprehended Arbuckle and ripped 
the camera from his hands playfully. Gimme that shit, he shouted in a forced, high-pitched outburst. Skinny, Cy sternly yelled at his little brother. Mom said not to swear. I'm telling. Please be careful with that, Skinny, Doc said calmly. It's my dad's antique, and he will be super pissed off if it breaks. Arbuckle smiled and gave Skinny a noogie. You chubby little rascal. Skinny was not chubby. Skinny grabbed Cy's arm. Please don't tell Mom and Dad. I won't swear ever again, I promise. Skinny looked desperate. Cy shrugged off his arm and said, Well, don't do it again or you'll be in so much trouble. Cy loved having power over his annoying younger siblings. All we have is our phone at home, said Skinny as he stared at the antique camera in Doc's hand. Cy and Skinny's family owned a single smartphone. When their younger sister, Frankie, begged for a phone of her own, it was met with disappointed looks from their parents. Doc placed the camera on a steel stool by the glass and invited his friends to sit. His expression was very serious. He turned and made eye contact with his little bowl-cutted brother. Cy and Skinny looked at each other as well. It was a look brothers understand. Arbuckle and I followed Mutt into the woods behind McClellan's trailer and found something top secret. Doc said with the reverence of a priest in black reading scripture at a funeral. Cy <clears throat> covered his mouth and stifled an obvious giggle. No, Doc said as he turned quickly to accuse the giggler. This is serious, Cy. If you can't take this seriously, you should go home. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Sai said with dis disbelief in his voice. Skinny punched his older brother's soft pink arm and said, He's serious, Sai. Stop it. Sai, feeling embarrassed and mad at his friends and his brother, stared at the floor of the coop for a moment and then looked up as Doc flipped the screen out from the left side of the digital camera, as if it were a black arm waving hello. The screen lit up. It was a scene of brown snapping branches and green rustling leaves. Doc and Arbuckle could be heard incoherently whispering to one another as one snap followed another crackle. There was nothing in Arbuckle's shot, just a couple glimpses of Doc's strawberry blonde curls. Sai began to shift in his seat. Why the heck had they come all the way out here? Skinny could feel the classic sighs of exasperation about to come out of his older brother. <clears throat> then they saw it. The top of what looked like a white, wide-brimmed, ten-gallon hat could be seen floating among the thicket branches. What the crap is that? Skinny asked, nervously hopping to his knees and drawing closer to the camera screen. Shh, warned Doc as he held a pale, bony finger to his lips. The, the wearer of the clean white, white hat could be seen more clearly now. Long, greasy white hair, pale skin, a perfectly white starched button shirt. 
white socks covering his, or was it a her, hands. The camera suddenly cut out. Black. Then the fuzzy white noise accompanied by digital ants on the screen. Son of a biscuit. That was someone from church, wasn't it? You got someone to dress up, Sigh the cynic asked with a smirk on his face. Nope. Doc shook his head with confidence and stared wide-eyed at his fellow pubescents. Sigh and Skinny had been fooled by Doc before. He had told some whoppers, as Mr. Cornwall called them. There was the one time Doc had had surgery on his leg to remove a benign tumor, and while on crutches, insistently told the old ladies at church that he had fallen in an alligator pit at the Syracuse Zoo. Then there was the time Doc told Cy and Chuck, his two best friends, that he had an English professor who had a swastika tattooed on his forehead and wore a gas mask to freak out his students. When anyone would challenge Doc's bizarre claims, he would pull out his inner method actor and give everyone the most convincing drama. Arbuckle looked at Skinny and Cy and said with a ghostly expression, I saw what I saw. It's all there on film. Skinny and Cy exchanged a look. Have you been talking to our pops recently? asked Skinny. No, why? Arbuckle asked. Our family goes to Maine every year to camp by the lake, and my pops and grandma told us about the man in white, who dressed all in white and wore socks on his hands. <laughs> I think pops is probably exaggerating most of that story, Sai said pompously. Look, Guys, I know what I've, that I've told some tall tales in the past, Doc confessed, but this is real. I don't know what your pops told you, but this man walks around in the woods behind McClellan's. Ben Wolfe met him at the cozy corner one day and got to know him a little bit. Ben told our mom that he was nice, but weird as hell. Well, Skinny taunted, he sounds like a real dick. Skinny, Sai shouted dramatically. Watch your mouth, I am definitely telling Mom. Arbuckle gripped Skinny's shoulder with his meaty paw. We are heading back to the woods Tuesday night to see if we can catch him in the dark. You guys can come if you want, but this is top secret. Promise? <clears throat> we promise, Sai said sternly speaking for both himself and his little brother. We make no promises that we'll actually be there, though. It sounds dangerous and nosy to me. Sai's body was not the only thing that was pink and soft. He was often picked on by neighbor boys for being too sensitive and cautious. Sai and Skinny left the new chicken coop and jumped on their bikes. As they barreled down the dusty road back toward home, clouds of brown dirt filled the air. Doc and Arbuckle stood on the hill behind their house, staring out at their friends. They were afraid and hoped Skinny and Sai would learn to be as afraid as they were. Two. 
Pastor Howdy Cooper stood in the pulpit looking out over his congregation of struggling farmers, poor truck drivers, trailer park meth addicts, and charismatic Bible thumpers. It was a small pond of poverty sitting stagnant at the foot of the pulpit. Pastor Howdy was called Pops by his affectionate grandchildren, Allie, Cy, Skinny, and Frankie. He always kept an eye on them and his son, Rusty Cooper, and daughter-in-law, Esther, because they were always passing notes during the sermon. Pops was an old-school preacher trained in the Church of the Nazarene. He was a fundamentalist who still denied climate change, even though its carnage had killed off half of his congregants, and he refused to blame President Trump and his 2016 administration for the havoc their country was currently facing. Trump had been president when Howdy was a young man working for a camera museum in Rochester, New York. He felt the touch of God and was moved to start preaching. He was a giant grizzly bear of a man with a booming voice, a loud laugh, and the golden singing pipes of Bing Crosby. That Sunday, Cy's hair was combed over with gel and his sweater vest felt a little too stifling. Skinny was leaning over and whispering, Skinny speak, as they called it, in Cy's ear, trying to get him to laugh in the middle of Pops' sermon. Cy had been told by Pops that he was going to be the next great preacher in the family. Dad and Uncle Frank had both decided to break with the long line of Nazarene preachers. Dad was a caseworker for folks living with disabilities in areas with limited resources, and Frank was a car salesman in Texas. Poppy had a hard time hiding his disappointment in his sons, but his anxieties took rest in the hope of his grandson. Never mind the familial pressure the size of a southern-tier corn silo that was sitting on size small pink shoulders. As long as there was someone to carry the torch, Pops was happy. Sai, knowing his pops was always watching him, nudged his little brother and whispered, If you don't stop, I will kick you in the nuts so hard. Frankie overheard this and in true youngest child fashion burst out laughing at Sai's anger. Sai deeply despised how often his younger siblings mocked his anger. It wasn't funny. Sai had a hard time feeling understood by his family members more than anyone. Pops from the pulpit looked down his nose from behind his wire spectacles and sternly said to his granddaughter, Frankie, you know we don't do that in church. Rusty, get your children under control. The whole congregation began to laugh at their pastor's second line, said playfully to his oldest son. Frankie started to laugh again, and Allie, the oldest and typically composed sibling, grabbed Frankie by the back of the neck in a firm grip and glared at her. Frankie wiggled until Alice released her. Sai shut his eyes and pretended he was somewhere else other than the family shit show. That Sunday, Pops was preaching a sermon about the transfiguration of Jesus. This, of course, is the story where Jesus goes up a mountain with his disciples in tow and transforms into the white Jesus on the wall by the coat closet. Most translations say something about Jesus appearing all in white. At the moment that Pops mentioned Jesus being dressed all in white, Skinny turned and looked at his older brother with a serious expression. Then to make matters worse, Pops said to his congregation, And congregation, you must hear the good news today. Jesus is walking among us today, dressed all in white. Won't you let him wash you white as snow? Sai swallowed. Jesus dressed all in white? 
and walking among them? Could the man in white, the man on Doc's camera, be the risen Lord? That would be a welcome miracle, right? After Sunday service, Cy did not kick Skinny in the nuts or yell at Frankie. He grabbed some Oreos from the fellowship room and poured some red fruit punch in a styrofoam cup. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. And that concludes today's recording of Four Boys in a Video Camera. We will continue in the next episode.